We're going to continue our series on prayer. And man, we had a great time in prayer in here today. If you're missing it, you're missing it. We, we had different people lead about every five minutes. And, uh, and we just had a good time. The presence of God is here. I'm telling you, the greatest thing we can do as a church is pray. There's nothing greater we can do. It's the number one thing. If we do nothing else as a church, I still believe we'll reach our community for Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we're in this series on overcoming darkness. And so the title of this message today is simply, Will Darkness Win in Your Life? Will Darkness Win in Your Life? Poke your neighbor and say, Will Darkness Win in Your Life? If you will, turn to uh, the Gospel of John and the first chapter, John chapter 1. And I'm going to read from the uh, New American Standard Bible, but uh, John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Will darkness win in your life? Poke your neighbor and say, don't let darkness win in your life. John chapter 1, verse 4 through 9. If you've got it, shout out a good amen. Amen. Not a bad one, right? (laughs) All right, this is a very powerful passage of Scripture here that gets overlooked so many times. Uh, Most of Christendom goes to John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh, and the flesh dwelt among us, and the Word dwelt among us. Or uh, in the beginning, and, and uh, you know, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so forth. And those are very important, of course. But I, I want to tell you, these, these few verses right here are so powerful. In Him, in Jesus, was life. Everybody say life. And the life was the light of men. Notice that Jesus is light. He brings light. The light shines in the where? Man, that's so powerful. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Another version says it couldn't overcome it. Aren't you glad that we can't be overcome the light in us? There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John wasn't. But he came to testify about the light, Jesus. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. That means when we come into the presence of people in darkness, the light in us enlightens them. That's how come if you have someone who hates you at work and you can't figure it out, it's probably they don't like the light in you. It, it, it exposes the darkness in them and they don't want to deal with that. I, I, amen? If you have some family members, you think, I just don't understand why they can't stand me. I don't know what the deal is. I've not done anything to them. What is the problem? It's probably the light in you is shining on the darkness in them, exposing it, and they don't want to deal with it. So they take it out on you. It's not you they hate. It's the God in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just anoint me to speak forth your word today in, in, in power and in deed, not in word and tongue only. I pray the seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Father, I pray, enlighten our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, God, that we have the opportunity to bring light into this community and change it for the name of Jesus Christ. To see marriages restored, to see families put back together, to see brokenness and hurting and destitute and deflated people built back up with hope in you. Oh, God, you're the answer for the world. And we have that answer in us. So, God, we choose to be a body of people that will pray. 
and bathe our church and community in prayer and invite your presence to change the atmosphere. And I pray, Lord, now that you would just speak to us and may you add your blessing to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in, in whatever form. For me, my phone. For you, it may be a paper Bible. And let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. Tell them, let your light shine. There are two kingdoms. This is very simple. There's a kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. Uh, There's no in-between. When we build an altar, we build an atmosphere that draws the kingdom of light. Amen? When we fail to build an altar, the kingdom of darkness begins to prevail. Matthew 25, 30, Jesus speaking here, he says, Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. He's speaking of of a darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Darkness is the spiritual force that comes when people reject God and His will and His word. And it gives legal authority for the devil to come and influence society. And we see that on a regular basis. The more layers of darkness in society, the more difficult it will be to know God and to live in His ways. Right? The darker society gets, the harder it is to live according to God's word and so forth. Now, what I want to point out kind of in this introduction is... If you read Genesis 1.28, what you need to understand, and I need to understand, we all do, spiritual forces were not given dominion over the earth. Man was. That means we have the ability to control whether light or darkness prevails. We have that authority to control that in our homes, in our workplaces, in our society. And the answer is, will we pray enough To bring the presence of God so that the kingdom of light will prevail. That is the question. I get uh, people say, why does it matter if I pray? What does it matter? It matters because the more you pray, the more light you bring in, which pushes the darkness out. Someone shout amen. Spiritual forces do not have legal authority to do whatever they want to do. And they, they, but they have the ability to control society if we let them to do that. So people choose, we choose, what spiritual forces we're going to yield to. Now, I've done it before where I yielded to darkness in my old days. And I've done it where I've yielded to light. And I'm telling you, I love the results of yielding to the light much better than yielding to the darkness. Can I get a witness from anybody? When a person chooses darkness, they invite darkness to come and the spiritual atmosphere begins to affect them negatively and they suffer the consequences. Darkness brings blindness. It stops up the flow of the life of God in someone. It brings hardship. It brings pain. It hardens hearts. It closes the atmosphere to the things of God. In Matthew 3, 16, we find when Jesus was being baptized in water, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, out of the water, and behold, watch this, the heavens were what? Open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
That's what we're praying. We're praying in this church and our community for open heavens. We're praying that God pour out His Spirit on mankind. Because when you see the open heavens from that point on, you find that people were being saved. People were being healed. The dead were being raised. We're finding the miracles of God happen. Do we still believe in the miracles of God? Someone had terrible pain in their arm here last week. They got prayed for and they left going, man, there's no pain. There's no pain. God still heals. Happened right here last week. 2 Corinthians 7, 13 and 14. When I shut the heavens, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, <laughs> that, that's closed heavens. We don't want that. Or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Then verse 14 tells us how to get open heavens. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Everybody say build a prayer altar. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. It's very simple. When we find darkness and closed heavens prevailing in the land. He gives us the answer. He says start praying. Start building prayer altars. And watch God change our society. I'm telling you, I've seen it in church after church when the people of the church buy in and they start really praying, it will change entire neighborhoods. It'll change cities. It'll change nations. Somebody shout glory. And two weeks ago when I started this message, I talked about how Uganda saw one of the greatest revivals in, in, in the history of mankind. In two weeks, I'm going to preach on another great revival that happened that changed an entire country and bled through the entire world. My question is, why can't we see that again? God's original intent was for us to live in His presence and invite the kingdom of light to prevail. In Genesis 1, the pattern was set. God would come down in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve would convene with him in his presence and in his light. And that's the way we're supposed to live. Just as a fish has to live in water, we must live in the presence of Almighty God. Look, Christianity is not about you coming to church and, and on a Sunday and going home and living however you want and not having a relationship with Jesus. This is a time for us to celebrate, to worship God together, to see God move corporately. But man, the real walk is Monday through Saturday with God every day. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says it this way. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, past tense, in which you formerly walked, past tense, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. If we choose darkness, we are giving the enemy legal ground to come and do whatever he wants. 1 Peter 5, 8. He has come like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, we may be Christians, but if we begin to live under a fallen nature, under, under, uh, uh, under the flesh, if we begin to live according to the patterns of the way we used to, even though we're Christians, we still inadvertently are inviting darkness to come in to our lives, our marriages, our homes, our church, and our society. This series is a wake-up call. It's like a, a State of the Union address, and I feel like God is saying to us, Wake up. Do you see where you are in society? When will my people really pray? When we lose deep fellowship with God, we lose several things. One, we lose our ability to hear from God clearly. 
We, we no longer have the life of God flowing through us. We no longer are able to discern the will of God. We get confused. We become limited. We get, we get in bondage to darkness and don't even realize it. As we build prayer altars in our lives, the light comes in and exposes the darkness and we move forward. How do you know if light is really working in your life? Let me ask you this way. How many of you now get convicted over things now that you didn't 30 days ago, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? How many get convicted over things now that you never used to get convicted over? That's a great sign. You know what that means? That means more light is getting in, which is pushing more darkness out. If you're convicted over things now that you never used to be, it's a good sign that you're inviting more light into your life. And that's a great thing. Poke your name and say, that's a great thing. So what is, what is darkness? Well, we know darkness originated in Lucifer when he rebelled against God. And we know darkness will blind and hinder and weaken and harden us. And I want to tell you, darkness will push you further and further away from God than you'll ever want to go. The longer we stay in darkness... The more we become and uh, uh, the, the more we, be, we go push into old patterns and old ways of life and the old way of doing things. The less convicted we get over things, the more callous we get to things. It's a, it's a wake up call for us to say where have I gone and where is my heart. The longer we stay in darkness, the more we see the, the things of God, the desire for the things of God begin to fade in our life. No longer is he priority. No longer do we want to see his things done. We begin to, it begins to fade. It begins to be, take a back burner. It's not that we're against God. It's not that we are not Christians. It's that it's just not a priority anymore. He's kind of pushed to the, to the back corner, if you will. But the Bible repeatedly tells us don't fall into the traps of the enemy. Look what the Bible says in uh, Luke twenty-two fifty-three. Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Notice that the the night Jesus was going to be arrested, when he was arrested, and he was going to be crucified that morning, he said, this is when darkness reigns. James 4, 7 says this. Here's our answer. Submit yourselves then to God. Then you'll be able to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you realize the light in us is greater than the darkness out there and we have the ability to push the enemy back? Listen, the battle of overcoming darkness is fought by overseeing what we allow in our thoughts and what we come into agreement with in our minds. And boy, isn't that the battle place. Romans 12, 2 tells us that we need to renew our minds with the Word of God. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, right? 1 Corinthians 2, 16, We have the mind of Christ. John 8, 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Woo! We choose whether we're going to follow God's will in our minds. I'm going to make a very powerful statement here. Are you ready? The biggest gate to overcome darkness in an individual's life is actually the mind. There are three different types of layers of darkness I'm going to hit on. Number one, and these are your points. Number one is personal darkness. Everybody say personal darkness. Now I want you to stay with me because I'm going to teach you some stuff here right from the word of God. This battle involves what we submit to and what we trust. 
will we follow God's will or our will? Are we going to do it our way and the ways of the world? Are we going to do it God's way and what God recorded in His Word? I'm amazed when I, when I see the, the, the battle there and, and the people that are choosing darkness. When people turn from God and His will, they begin to get surrounded by darkness. Which then leads them to continue to surrender to dark ways and the things of the flesh and so forth. And before long, someone wakes up and they say, how did I get here in bondage? There was a time in my life I was on fire from God, for God. I was, I was free. I was witnessing. Man, I had joy. And I just feel like I'm in a hamster wheel chasing my tail and I can't get out of this vicious cycle. It's because somewhere along the way, you made a choice to begin to go down this path. And the more you go down, the more the darkness comes. I mean, it's like Darth Vader and Luke. You know, when Luke is standing there before the emperor, and the emperor's going, oh, yeah, yield to the darkness, yield. And Luke's going, no, I can't, I can't. And he's fighting with everything in him. You know what? There's a lot of truth to that. I know it's a scientific false movie, but my point is this. That's a real battle you and I deal with. Are we going to yield to light or darkness? When people turn to God, listen, you, you can be a Christian and allow darkness to come into your soul. You can be on, you can love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and allow darkness to come in. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verse 34 35. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. Be careful what you look at. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not what? Darkness. Darkness wants to separate us from the presence of God. Darkness wants to quench our prayer life and the things of God moving in our hearts. It wants to keep us estranged from the life of God. It wants to hinder us from the fulfillment of God and His destiny for our lives. It wants to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. So how does darkness get a foothold in our lives? Anytime we rebel against the knowledge of God, anytime we rebel against what God said in His Word, we are moving towards darkness. Every time we agree with God in His Word and we fulfill it, we are walking towards light. And the determination is us. What choices are we going to make? Romans 1 even says, he says, listen. He says, harden not your hearts. Today, hear my voice. Darkness wants to invade your heart and light wants to come in as well. And the choice is ours. Like the one guy said when he asked, how's it going? He said, well, I got a good dog and a bad dog. And they're both fighting for me to go their way. And the one guy said, well, well, who wins? He said, whichever one I feed the most. My question is, which dog are you feeding the most? Are you feeding light or darkness? Look, it matters what you watch on television. It matters what you let come in through your eyeballs on the internet and social media. It matters the stuff you listen to. It matters what you participate in and you allow into your home. Can, it, can I get a witness from anybody? I know, I know in this new generation people say, Pastor, you're old-fashioned. Oh, I'm biblical. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that you, you've, we've all got the teaching we need that we can walk in the light. Here's, here's, 
you've got personal darkness we're fighting, but we are also fighting societal darkness. Everybody shout societal darkness. Now, there's, there's five pillars in society, right? There's family, there's economy, government, worship, and belief system. Let me, let me hit these very quickly. The family is an institution that's formed by God, and it is the bedrock of society. That's why the devil fights marriages so hard, because healthy marriages produce healthy families, which produce healthy communities, which produce healthy nations. It starts in the family. When righteousness reigns in society, marriages are healthy, they're safe, they're well. When darkness reigns in society, there's dysfunction, there's distortion, there's hurt, there's breakups, there's divorce, there's all that. You name it. Sexual immorality and immoral behaviors reign when there's darkness in the land. Children's hearts start to turn away from their parents and turn to rebellion and doing their own thing. Darkness brings destruction to the family unit. So watch this. Here's some questions I'm going to ask to have a self-reflect to see what's really going on here. Would you say light or darkness is winning in the family unit in the world and in America today? I think the, obvi- the answer is obvious. Another pillar is the economy. Darkness brings selfishness and greed into society. I was brokenhearted. Uh, how many of you have seen the new movie uh, Unplanned? Anybody seen Unplanned? I have not seen it personally. I've heard about it. It is basically about a, a lady named Abby Thompson who worked at, she was a, plan, a, a planned parenthood clinic director for eight years. And she, was, she came out of that situation of eight years of abortion clinic and realized how wrong it was. And now she's given her entire life to teaching people how wrong abortion is. And I just heard her speaking at Jensen Franklin's church. And I was heartbroken. She said, I, I was just, I'm not a doctor. She said, but I got pulled into one of these. And she said, at 13 weeks, this lady was getting an abortion. And she said, I could see the baby fully, firm, all, her, or, all the baby's organs working and arms and legs and everything. And she said, they put that suction thing in there. And she said, you could see the baby's arms flailing until finally it was ripped to shreds. And she said, I realized right then. She said, how awful I had been taught. They're taught in these Planned Parenthood places that they're not babies. They're garbage to be thrown away. She said, something gripped my heart. Listen, let me tell you how wicked society is now today. Darkness. She said, I knew something. I started realizing something wasn't right when my big manager came to me and said, uh, you, you need to get twice the abortions this year for the budget. It's all about money. She said, never once in eight years did we ask any woman, are you sure you want to do this? Never did we care. She said, they don't care about you women. They care nothing about you women. What they want is your money. Dollar figures. And when the doctor turned on the machine to suck the life out of this baby and dismember it, he very smartly quoted Star Trek and said, beam me up, Scotty. Ha, ha, ha. All because they want the almighty dollar. I'm going to tell you something. If that sounds very graphic, it is. It ripped my heart out when I heard that. And I want to tell you, I'm not beating up on anybody that's had an abortion. But I want to tell you something. The only reason they've done it is not because they care about you women. It's because they want the money. And I want to tell you something. We are in a dark place when America can do that to 60 million children. What's it going to take for us to rise up and pray? 
the song at the altar the last two weeks, God have mercy, Lord have mercy, she's going to sing it again here today, was written by a pastor when this got legalized. He wrote this out and he said, Lord have mercy on our country. He was so devastated by abortion. I want to tell you something. That's how greedy society has gotten. Is light or darkness winning in society when it comes to economy? Look, when the kingdom of God is reigning in government, or, or, or another pillar is, is government. When it's reigning, government's good to the people. When unrighteousness, when darkness is reigning in government, they abuse people, they rob from people, they try to demand from people and strong-arm people. I mean, let's just look at it. Is darkness or light winning in government? We were created to worship another pillar. When the kingdom of light is ruling, people worship the one true God and they invite his presence. When darkness is reigning in society, they worship wealth and greed and superstition and fame and all these other things that add up to nothing. Let me ask you something. Is light or darkness winning in the worship of society? Here's one last one. Uh, the belief system. Everybody say the belief system. The belief system is what a society embraces, accepts, and submits to. I just want you to listen very closely for just a minute. Let's just look at this thing logically. If the kingdom of light is prevailing, then certain words, thoughts, behaviors, and images are considered unacceptable. Right? Vulgar language... Sexual images or behavior, gory violence on television uh, would, would cause society to rise up if light is there and say, we're not going to stand for this another second. But when darkness reigns, there are very few objections. The people easily accept unrighteousness and unholy things on television and movies and video games and social media. Look, words, behaviors, and images that are are put out in all forms of written paraphernalia and internet and social media and movies and television that are readily acceptable and nobody's saying a word to anybody today. 20 years ago, there would have been an outcry in society. It doesn't take a rocket scientist for us to figure out darkness is winning. I, I, was, I was told a story recently or overheard a story recently of a, uh, back in the old days, they didn't, you know, they would have walls of the city. That was your protecting. They had watchmen on the wall. When they'd see the enemy coming, they'd warn the people. The watchman saw something he didn't like, but he thought, I'm not going to raise a ruckus because it'll mess up the everyday life of everybody and they'll be mad at me. Well, by the time he realized there was a real threat of the enemy, the enemy was there and the town could do nothing and it was destroyed. And there is actually a sign that says the town that was destroyed due to silence. I don't know about you, but man, the devil beats up enough. What's he going to do? Beat up more if we stand up for what's right? I'm telling you, we need to boldly proclaim the word of God and teach people about Jesus Christ and his word and his ways and his will. And we need to stand up against the darkness in society. They're going to tell us, we, you're, not, you're intolerant. They're going to say all that. They're going to say it anyways. What does it matter? We need to stand up and teach people the truth. Abby Thompson said, I was brought up in church. She said, but never did I hear anybody tell me about abortion or why it was wrong. She said, I left Texas A&M University and I went straight there and worked for eight years. She said, I didn't hear a message one time in the church or from anybody to tell me it was wrong. 
She said, I am living the rest of my life to make sure that everyone knows it's wrong. What would have happened if somebody had just taught her? That's shame on the church and we need to proclaim the gospel. Is it still okay to do that? There are no protests. Look at the quote on the overhead. There are no protests. Uh, yeah, there we go. Because the mindsets and behavior of the people have been conformed by the darkness. That's why we don't stand up and say this is wrong. That's why we don't get on the airways and say, hey, this is, this is not right. This is why we don't, we don't see this because we, the, the darkness has conformed us. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to shout it out. As long as I'm preaching his gospel and as long as I'm pastoring, I'm going to teach people the word of God says. Well, pastor, don't you know you're going to offend some people? I'm not out to offend people. I'm just hoping to speak light into them. And I'm more concerned about their soul and going to heaven or hell than I am them being a little mad at me. Is light or darkness winning in the belief system of America? Listen, when darkness comes into a society, it contaminates every sphere of that society. The longer a society dwells in darkness, the more each aspect of society will get further and further from the will of God. And we can try to fight darkness. Listen, we can try to fight darkness by electing the right politicians. And I'm all about that. And I think we should. And we, by, by, by standing up and by proclaiming we're against it. And I, you know, in a certain degree, in the right way, I'm for that too. But you don't win this battle with physical things. You win it only in the spiritual realm. Because it's a spiritual fight. If we push back the darkness, society will change their thinking. Someone shout amen. amen. Darkness is stealing the innocence of our children. Pushing homosexuality and teaching boys to wear dresses. And it's happening, listen, because Christians are sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Christians are on their post. And if they see it, they're like the watchman that just doesn't say anything. Look, if we don't stand to fight against the darkness, then who will? Devil's trying everything in the atmosphere. We already said Ephesians 2 2, he's over the power of the air. Well, what's in the airwaves, right? Television signals and, and all kinds of signals that go out. And man, he is dominating right now. I say we turn that thing around. It's trying to invade all the pillars of society. And our job is to pray. Shout pray. If you never war with the enemy in prayer, you are missing a huge component of prayer. If you never have spiritual warfare in the heavenlies in prayer, then you are missing a very big component of what prayer is designed to be. We are called to fight darkness through prayer. Everybody shout that with me. Say, I am called to fight darkness through prayer. Let me debunk a myth. Are you ready for this? This is why we don't have an intercessory prayer team here. We'll never have one here. People think in the church, well, the intercessory prayer team, oh, that's those big spiritual warriors over there. They do all that praying stuff that I, I don't have to. That is wrong thinking. Everyone 
who professes Jesus Christ is an intercessor. Mark 1, 30-31. I want you to listen to this, please. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. Stop right there. That's intercessory prayer. I, I don't know where it's gotten sideways in the church today. But you don't find an intercessory prayer team in the Bible. I understand I, there are people called to a higher level of prayer. I understand all that. But what you find is Christians pray. It's that simple. You want to see what intercessory prayer looks like? They told Jesus about her. How many of you can tell Jesus about someone else? Raise your hand, please. How many of you can tell Jesus about someone else? I don't see every hand raised. Can I see? I need to, I need to see hands raised. How many of you, I don't care if you're three, you can, how many of you can tell Jesus about someone else? Guess what? You're an intercessor. <laughs> and guess what? They simply told Jesus about her. And what did he do? He went to her, took her by the hand, helped her up, and guess what? He healed her. We make it so difficult. Intercession sounds like intersection, intersecting two parties. In this case, you're intersecting Jesus with the person you're talking to him about. How many have a loved one that's unsaved? Tell Jesus about them. How many of you have a loved one or a friend that's sick or has a disease or needs a miracle? Raise your hand up. Uh, tell Jesus about them. How many of you work with someone that needs a miracle, needs Jesus, needs something from God? Raise your hand up. Right. Tell Jesus about them. We make it so hard. We're all called to be intercessors. Everyone who professes Jesus Christ is an intercessor. Will you pull that up on the screen for me again? I want, to, I want you to be able to see this. Everyone who professes Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide. Everyone who professes Christ is what? Is what? I'm going to say something very bold, and I don't mean to shake you up, but I'm going to say it because I believe it, and it's true biblically. If you do not intercede for others, then you need to get saved. That's the bottom line. Because you're nothing like Jesus, your Savior. Because Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and I at the right hand of the Father. And if we say we're Christians and we say we're going to be like Christ, then shouldn't we ever live to be interceding for those around us. Somebody shout amen. Is this the Bible? Is this my opinion or the Bible? It's the Bible. Amen. So there are people called to a prayer assignment. I, I agree with that. There are people called to equip people to pray. I, I get that. There are people that, that God moves on with a deeper level of intercession than some others. I get that. But we are all called to pray. Prayer invites the presence of God. And listen, God will not work in an environment where it, His presence is not already there. That's why prayer from 915 to 945 is so vital for us. So that His presence is here and permeates every square inch of this place. So that when people come in here, if they're lost, they want to get Jesus in their heart. If they need healing, they have the faith to believe and miracles happen. If they need whatever they need from God, He is here to be the answer for their needs. Someone shout glory. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, we know it well, it's the whole armor of God. But I, I think we're missing the boat so many times. Verse 18 is very much a part of that. And that's the part about prayer. Listen, how 
How do we fight and wrestle with darkness? The answer is verse 18, prayer. The whole armor of God is for us to go into battle and spiritual warfare with the enemy and win. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So how do we break up the grip of darkness in our society? We pierce that darkness through prayer. Finally, number three, we deal with territorial darkness. Everybody say territorial darkness. That's the spirit realm. Ephesians 6.12 points it out very well. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, people. But against what? Principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavy places. Four things it tells us we wrestle against. And that spiritual forces of the land affects the character and the mindset of the people. So, as we pray, God will show us what the territorial darkness is over the land so we can push it out through prayer. Why is this important? Because when we live without a prayer altar, darkness rules society. If, we, if, we, if the darkness has nothing to combat it, it's going to come faster and faster and faster. We, the answer is not for us to throw our hands in the air and say we can do nothing about this train that's rolling. No, we have the ability and the authority to stop it and push it back the other direction. There's no such thing as neutral ground. Either we have holy altars inviting God or vice versa. The altar that is the most active. This is going to be on the screen if you'll pull it up. The altar that is the most active will control the territory and will influence everything in that territory. Even the lifestyle and character of the people will take on the character of the spiritual being they are serving. This is deep truth here today. Let me give you a few examples and we'll pray. Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 13, 10. Look what uh, Lot chose. Lot looked around, saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar and was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, that's a good looking land. I'm going there. Verse 13, though, gives us a clue as to the spiritual atmosphere of where he was living. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Darkness ruled the land. Sexual perversion and wickedness was clear. I I don't mean to be graphic, but when all the men in a town, the Bible says all of them, young and old, wanted to have sex with two people, that's not human thinking. That's demonic and that's wicked. That is pure darkness. Why? There was no altars to the Lord anywhere in sight, so darkness had full control of the land. There were no prayer altars. King Solomon started out as a humble praying man. Watch what happens here when he has a prayer altar for the nation. This is incredible. 2 Chronicles 6, 12-13. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. He lifted his hands in what? Prayer. What's he doing? He's creating a prayer altar for the whole nation. Now Solomon had made a bronze platform seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high, placed it at the center of the temple's outer courtyard. He stood, prayer was the center. He stood at the platform and then he knelt in front of the entire community of Israel, lifted his hand toward heaven. Verse 7, the next chapter, 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 3, it goes on and says this. When all the people of Israel, if you'll go to the next slide, saw the fire coming down. Man, I love that. Or excuse me, when he finished praying, go verse 1 and 2. There we go. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven. 
burned up the offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. Verse 3, when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, what did they do? National revival. They fell down on the ground and worship and praise the Lord, saying, He is good, His faithful love endures forever. He created a national altar which brought in the presence of God, which released miracles from God, which caused the people of the land to turn back to God. Guess what? God is looking for a Solomon generation to rise up right here that will call down the presence of God to release miracles, signs and wonders that will release people to come back to Him and see a revival. It starts with prayer. What were the results after this? He became the, the wisest and richest king ever. They ruled the entire world. Their military un- exploits were unrivaled. Everyone came to them for wisdom and took back God with them. Are you seeing this? It brought a national revival. They had the full blessing of God. But somewhere along the way, Solomon quit praying. In Song of Solomon, you start to hear it. In 1 Kings 11, he allowed his wives to raise up altars to other gods and bring darkness in the land and turn his heart away from God. When the altar of the Lord is not maintained, it's not functioning, darkness prevails. I have a question. Are you maintaining your prayer altar? Is darkness prevailing in any area of your life? If it is, are you praying over that area of your life? The only way to turn things back around is for someone in the land to rebuild the altar to the Lord. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, 1 Kings 18, darkness was prevailing. The prophets of Baal had darkness covering the land. And King Ahab, it was just dark, dark, dark. It was into darkness that God sent in someone with a covenant. When you have the light inside of you, God is not going to send you to a place that's already well lit. He's going to send the brightest lights into the darkest areas. And it's going to be a fight and it's going to be a battle. But it's in that situation that he doesn't listen. We may be one church, one group of body. Elijah was one man, 250 prophets of Baal. Excuse me, 450 prophets of Baal. 400 prophets of Asherah, 850 bringing in darkness. One man bringing in God, and guess what happened? One man plus God is greater than all the darkness. How did Elijah fight it? What was the first thing Elijah did? You ready? 1 Kings 18.30, Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord which had been torn down. He said before we do one thing. We're going to pray and get God back in this place. 
Woo! I'm telling you, church, if Bridge of Hope, if we will do but one thing, and that's pray, we'll get God back in here. God will push the darkness out of this area, and revival will happen in Deer Park, in Kenwood, in Silverton, and all around Cincinnati. And who knows, it might go through the world. God is looking for a group that will say, we're going to rebuild the altar of the Lord. Why was it in disrepair? Musicians, if you'll come. Because they weren't using it. You know what Elijah said? Elijah was basically saying, we need to open a gateway for God's presence to come again. He he basically was saying, I'm going to give God the opportunity to come to the physical earth and touch us. I'm going to give God the legal authority to come down and spread his light through the land. You say, Pastor, now you've lost it. God doesn't need the legal authority. Yes, he does. He gave it to us. Altars create those heavens. So what about you? Are you opening a gateway for God's presence to come? Is is your altar, is your personal altar in disuse or disrepair? Is your altar being used daily to invite the presence of God? Is light or darkness winning? Wow. Next week we're going to talk about the presence of God. Invite, how do we invite the presence of God? I'm going to teach you how to do that next week. And then in two weeks, I, I'm going to tell you a story of revival that happened because of prayer. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. If we don't stand and fight, who will? How many will say, I'm going to pray? Now, I don't care if nobody else does. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite his presence everywhere I go. How cool would it be when you step out of the car and it's on your way in the store to say, God, be with me. Just come be in the store with me. Perhaps there's someone in here that needs to hear about you. We were at the ice cream parlor a couple Sundays ago homeless lady came up asking for money and I asked her a few questions and finally I said do you have Jesus in your heart she said no she said sometimes I just hate him I said why do you hate him he's done nothing but good for you and we got into a little short dialogue and I was able to win her to the Lord right there on the at the side street you know what's cool she looked at us it's like, as if confirmation about bus ministry she said do y'all run bus ministry I'd like to come to church I want somebody come pick me up I said we're about to devil would want you to think that people are the enemy and there's bad people there's bad darkness influencing them but there can be good light influencing them to come and make different decisions amen would you i tell you what i I know i've done it before i want to do it again would you just turn your chair into an altar area i was on my face here this morning i don't know for probably 20 minutes of our prayer time just just praying out to god would you pray right now they're going to sing this song again written as a result of abortion being legalized. Would you would you just turn your seat if you're physically, if not, just, just remain sitting there. Maybe put your elbows on your on your legs and your, your head and your, your 
your hands and just pray. Don't tell me intercession doesn't make a difference. Everybody look at me just a second. One, one, more, one more second. Listen. The day that the Stortz family got in their car wreck, as a matter of fact, at the very time that it was happening, I didn't know who it was for at the time, but I was sitting in Dairy Queen with my daughter eating ice cream, and it just came over me, and all I could do was just pray under my breath, God, protect, protect. God, I plead the blood of Jesus over everybody I know. I just kept praying. I don't know for about five minutes, just under my breath. God, protect, protect. God, put your guardian angels, surround, protect. Now, they still got in a car wreck, but the fact is they should have never walked away from that car wreck. The fact that they're all alive is proof that God works. I didn't realize I was interceding for them. I didn't know who it was for until I got a call an hour later and I put the times together and I realized, whoa, wait a minute. That was for Greg and Vicki and Sydney. Let me tell you something. Your prayers matter. They matter and they make a difference. Don't let the devil, I don't know who this is, don't let the devil beat you down and tell you your prayers don't matter. Don't let there's somebody in here and you're listening and the devil's telling you that God's not hearing your prayers. That's a lie. God hears your prayers. God acknowledges your prayers. God honors your prayers. And God is here telling me to tell you he's going to answer your prayers. Woo, glory to God. Now, if you will, just turn your seat into an altar and let's pray while she sings. Come on, let's just pray.